be very clear what your product doesn't do and who it is not for. And it sounds like a very counterintuitive thing because selling feels like the number one thing that we should be doing. But what you should be doing is preventing sales to people who are going to hate it. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Hey folks, welcome back to the e-commerce leader. So today we are in the middle of talking about how to improve time on site, which is a very Google Analytics metric, or the time on your product listing on an Amazon sort of focus. Obviously, we can't get bits of data as Amazon sellers, unlike people with their own direct-to-consumer site, but in both cases, it comes down to really getting your engagement level up through various different things we're talking through now. The reason this matters is it drives your conversion rate and that drives your profits because if you increase your conversion rates, that basically means you get more sales without extra money each time being spent on on PPC or anything else. So it's really kind of like the golden magical skill set to hone. And today we're going to give you several more tips on how to do that. So stay tuned and let's plunge in. So just to images slightly more broadly, I agree if you use the maximum number you can. If you're on Amazon and they give you seven images, why put two up? That's just ridiculous. And, and by the way, the biggest brands in the world do that and they don't they understand what they're doing. They rely on their brand name to do all the heavy lifting that we have to do with better quality work. To your point as well about the, the text in the images, never thought of that. That's really smart thinking. What I would say though is, is that having worked with quite a few very, very good Amazon copywriters and image makers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's really important to use text to focus what is the point you're making? Because beautiful imagery is going to do a lot of the work for you, but it doesn't do all of it. And I think two simple, simple points. I would, if you want to default to a, a very simple but very effective way of doing it on the product detail page on Amazon, I would say have the benefit at the top of the listing under some kind of branded font and, and branded color that's consistent, maybe with your logo there if you want. And then I would put the feature that gives that benefit or that result in, you know, little little bit of text, like two or three words, and then a little arrow to it in a picture that shows that. And then you've you've immediately told people, why am I looking at this? Because it gives you this result. So it's results-based selling, really. And uh, again, if it benefits the backbone of everything you do in your marketing, mm -hmm. particularly on the product detail page, then you're never going to go wrong, in my experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really drives conversion rate very heavily. Okay, love it. Great. We're at the number five now. We added images, so we're, we added we're on, images. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we've got video, we've got long form writing, we've got images, and we've got infographics and stat metrics on photos. Just yeah, before and, we move uh, off images, actually, I, I ought to just put across. I mean, be interested in your thoughts about this. So I find different characteristic different products need slightly different mix of the different types of images available. So a lot of people do image on white. I personally think, unless you have to, and on Amazon, you only have to do that on the main 
product photo that that has no engagement nobody experiences products floating in a void everyone experiences them in a context so i would say all the other photos need to have the picture uh, the product in in a context sometimes focus on the product sometimes focus on the context for example yeah. are you selling something that's used in the bedroom yeah. and then sometimes infographic and and then there's the pure lifestyle like editorial images so i think everything's yeah. a mixture of those two things and those few things and the mix depends on the product if it's more technical you have more infographics if it's mm -hmm. more lifestyle based you have more lifestyle so that's my basic summary on images what are your thoughts on that totally agree and we encourage people to mirror this activity on both shopify and amazon where the primary image is a shot on white we call it the product image and then the you, the phrase you mentioned is lifestyle or editorial some you know photographers will call it editorial photography that that would be the product in the wild the product out on the table the product in your backyard the product at the beach with the you know the happy people whatever it is so that editorial or, or lifestyle photography is absolutely central to engagement now will that extend the time on site mm, i don't know but you know, if they have six photos to look at, they'll look at them. And, you know, it does plant the concept, oh, I can use this in the rain. I can, I can use this in the snow. I can use this at the beach. You know, you want to think through what your lifestyle photos are helping communicate. And so, yeah, I, I think that is important to, to add to the, to the listings for sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. it's an interesting point about the fact that it doesn't necessarily extend the time. I, I guess that's uh, it's a, a different lens through which to look, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, so yeah. number five, you were about to give us on I, I just kind of grabbed the image thing. Yeah. It's uh, use testimonials from your customers. So in any product listing, there's several different ways you could do this. You can use it in the copywriting section, or you could use an image of testimonials and having that be front and center is is vital in the listing itself. You can also use reviews, of course. Sorry, technical difficulties. I don't usually lose my voice while I'm talking. Okay, so but you can also use have a reviews tool on Shopify, Stamp.io, or other apps that allow you to have good solid review functionality. And of course, on Amazon, people will read the reviews of the product. But you want to harvest those and use them strategically in your copywriting and on your listing to help people see front and center, oh, look at this review, look at that review. It will definitely improve your time on site. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. People will definitely read reviews. I mean, one of the things you'll guarantee is whether you like it or not. By the way, sometimes you won't. They will read other people's reviews because they're from other consumers and people feel that identity when they're shopping. I would say a couple of things on Amazon. Obviously, we don't get to control what goes up in the reviews, but we can influence it in lots of different ways. A very, very simple but effective thing is to take a photo of one of your best reviews that isn't too lengthy and is readable on the mobile and and then use it as one of your photos i've seen that work quite well the other thing to do is obviously much much bigger knottier problem is the whole question of how do you generate reviews now it's not just for amazon that i would have some i've got a, quite a specific technique that i've used in the past for gathering video testimonials which works yeah. for physical products and other things i'm not going to go into that here because it would take a bit long but mm -hmm. uh could tease that up for the future but there are ways of structuring it if you have your own site and your own control over it. But even yeah. on Amazon, you can have people that you approach regularly who are consumers that are, seem to be happy, who mm -hmm. maybe contact you through different channels and, and then, you know, say, would you mind writing us a review? Best done outside the Amazon ecosphere, I would suggest yeah. as well for safety. Yeah. And we've talked about reviews and the morality of even on Amazon, <coughs> where you just hound the customer service desk at Amazon until they remove the the four-star review that's not you know totally glowing i think that's immoral i'm sorry but there you have my opinion 
Sorry, I think uh, it's ineffective anyway. <laughs> hot take, it won't work anyway. So uh, well, Amazon may yeah, or may I've not heard think people, it's immoral, but yeah. I'd, I've heard people who have their own strategies for how to go after that. And I would just say that to me, here's a lens to look through, an alternate lens to look through. The more reviews you have, the more a serious buyer will read all the reviews. I don't know about you, but I tend to read the one-star reviews hmm. at first. Yeah. And what's interesting about my, like, because, you know, I, I do have a, a bone to pick on this topic a little bit. But what's interesting is I do also observe my own behavior. And if I'm interested in a product, I'll go to the one-star reviews, not to disqualify the product, but to understand what it won't do or the way in which people encountered it that wasn't positive. And, and I'm not really, I'm not trying to dump the product. Now, if I hear a review that says, this didn't work for me, I, I tried to use it here in Australia or the Euro or Europe, but it just doesn't work. And if it's electronics, I'm like, well, okay, maybe, do you know the difference between the US electronics? You know, like you have to assume that all the one-star reviews, maybe it's the person, not the product. And that's a mindset I always go into. Maybe it was the user. And so I just, I think if you're looking at time on site as a specific standalone metric, you might be better off leaving some of those marginal reviews in there and not toying with Amazon to try to get them scraped off for whatever ridiculous reason. Because to your point, it won't work anyway, maybe. But to my point, I'm not sure you would want to do that anyway to uh, make the fake illusion that your product is perfect when people won't encounter it that way. I think to your point, just to refine this a little bit, I mean, the the best way to not have negative reviews is to prevent them in the first place. And to your point that that everyone thinks, so it's all about product quality. Well, sometimes, but to your point, sometimes products work very, very well for certain types of people and really don't work for other people. And in certain contexts, like geographically, this will not work in Canada or, or whatever it is. It's incredibly important in your copy and your photos. And if it's often coming up in your first photo, I suggest to be very clear what your product doesn't do and who it is not for. And it sounds like a very counterintuitive thing because selling feels like the number one thing that we should be doing. But what you should be doing is preventing sales to people who are going to hate it. And that's really important. And I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, I haven't spoken about yeah. it for a while yeah. to my clients. But every so often, there's a product that I work with mm-hmm. with one of my clients or my in, in the past where you have to be super clear yeah you don't just leave it to the questions which a few people mm-hmm. scroll down to if it keeps coming up does this work with x mm-hmm. and it doesn't and people keep asking that you should make damn sure that you answer it very yeah. early on preferably yeah. i would say in the bullets and in the question if you can get a friend to ask a question just to surface that and in the description and in the a plus content and in a photo because yeah. you're preventing unhappy customers and you prevent a few sales, but then you prevent a damage to a future conversion rate. So I, that's a very good, important point you've just raised, I think. Yeah. So let's not lose the forest for the trees. The for, the the big picture here is include reviews. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the topic. Um, okay. So number six is include user-generated content. So can you get photos of happy customers? Can you get videos of happy customers? User-generated content beyond reviews is marketing gold. And there are apps in uh, Shopify that let you do this. Video Ask is an interesting tool you can use to get video content. But there are other apps that you can use in your Shopify store. Um, Looks, for example, or um, Covet Picks. These are tools that you use that allow you to solicit your customers taking photos or videos with the product. And then you circle those into the, uh, the listings. And it can really create very powerful selling secondary content 
I guess you could call it, maybe call it uh, B plus content. And that is really, really powerful. So the more you can do that, the more you're going to have uh, time on site increase. And we on Pixie Fair, we have an inspiration page that is all user generated content. And because we use Covet Picks app, every one of those images will link to the associated product on our website. So you can look at somebody's user generated content, you can see what they bought, and then you can buy that same thing. And that is a, a really, really valuable tool to use on Shopify. And, and, and brought more broadly, integrating you know, user generated content, I think is marketing gold. Absolutely agree with that. I mean, this is one of those things where if you're an Amazon focused seller, you need to get outside Amazon and, and work hard. Instagram, I think, is is proving very, very effective. I know Ben Leonard, who's my friend, sold a business for seven figures after about three years. I'm very much an Amazon focused business, although he did have Shopify very, very good at off Amazon marketing for Amazon focused businesses. The most effective thing I've personally seen is one of the group members uh, of the mastermind group. He's it's gone on to eight figures a year, ran a Facebook group for buyers, and they really, 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 really hard to get used user-generated content and it really shot their review rate up and, yeah. and as a result genuine reviews from genuine enthusiasts and and that really has hugely helped those listings it's a lot of hard legwork but i, I think it's incredibly mm-hmm. important i think people overrate the underestimate the value of a genuine review and, and a rating L- lest we forget rating is not the same as review we can just get stars on uh, the Amazon platform, I'm sure there are equivalent other platforms in other other platforms as well, where you don't have to write the review, you get the star rating. But the two combined are worth, I'd say, several hundred dollars per each. And I'm not saying you should go and buy them, but effectively you have to allocate the time and resources to getting them. But I think you have to work really hard at this. And, and Amazon sellers are used to working hard, but not in marketing. And and suddenly we have to. And so, yeah, I think it's worth the effort. And you're absolutely right. It's it's also a sort of wave and a trend that keeps growing, isn't it? User-generated mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. becoming more and more part of what consumers expect to experience and equally kind of expect to produce as well. So there's a kind of culture shift going on, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, we got three left in our list here. And this this last three is you're in the paradox of choice here with these last three because there is a counter argument to not including them that I want to point out. And the counter argument and the last three are basically links that in essence take people off the product page. And this would be Shopify centric, but Amazon does this to you (laughs) if you're an Amazon seller. So they've already made this choice for you on Amazon. On Shopify, you get to make this choice. And so, but so let's frame it this way. There's competing theories about how best to work with a product page. One theory is what you might call the squeeze page thesis where you really want to have your your page only focus on the shopping cart finishing step in the journey you know this this complete the transaction and anything that distracts from complete the transaction is a mistake that's that that's one thesis that's the squeeze page thesis the other thesis is you're serving the customer with as much information about purchasing as possible which will increase the conversion rate. And they're smart enough to get back to the product once they answer the questions that are top of mind for them. And so serving them with maximum information is more valuable. So those are the tension points or the the two camps you might find yourself in. So when, when you hear somebody hardcore say something like, you know, never have any links on your product page that take people somewhere else, you know that they have squeeze, squeeze page mindset. If that's a phrase, <laughs> that would be a pretty good phrase. Well, that squeeze page mindset's definitely a thing. Yeah, I, I just I coined a phrase, man. Can we squeeze coin page that phrase? mindset? You, you can have it. I'm happy to leave that with you. Squeeze page I mindset. Think- 
I think that the 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 mindsets may it's like anything else i mean somebody does something that works for a particular type of product in a particular mm-hmm. platform and then they start saying it's got to work universally so it's the problem of generalization it's, yeah. it's a kind of it's a thinking error i would say i mean the truth is that either approach might be the best for your particular products i mean you've just got to think it through i guess i mean because we don't have much op- options for this in the Amazon, it's not something I've had to think through deeply and personally. But I guess, uh, for example, if you've got a very expensive product, then people generally do more research. And I would be inclined towards the sort of serving people with more information as possible because they probably will just refuse to buy if they don't feel they've, they've ticked every box and answered every objection, you know, as opposed to a fairly cheap product where you probably just want them to just make an impulse buy. So for me, that would be one obvious distinction. But again, that's a theoretical one. The only way you're really going to know is to test it, isn't it? I mean, if you can yeah. probably set up an A, B, testing framework or at least test with one batch of a products and another batch and over time i guess the truth will emerge from the data won't it yeah absolutely right so so let's go through this list of the final three things which you know with that context given so the 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 first one here which is number seven on our list is invite them to join your newsletter list or a facebook group and you can invite them to a product user group if you wanted to for example before they buy the product why Mm. not all they yeah. get is, you know, a ton of info about the product. So Facebook groups are incredibly valuable. We do this for our charity in particular, I think very effectively, where we invite people to our, our purse makers group on the homepage. And, you know, when we respond to people in autoresponders, in our welcome series, you know, everywhere we, ha- we can, we invite them to that group. Because we figure if they're stuck into that group, they're going to be then just hearing more and more about what we're doing in that Facebook context. So, so there you have, so that's the first one and putting them on your newsletter list, if they're not ready to buy is of course a great secondary option because then they'll get all your subsequent marketing. So that's the first thing. And I think it's valuable to do again, you have to decide whether you want to do that on your product page or not. And of course you can't do that in, in Facebook, I'm sorry, in Amazon, except in one context in which you can do that, of course, which is authors on Amazon have a follow feature. Amazon doesn't explain how it works how you manage them, how many people are in your list, but they do have a follow this author on Amazon and it is next to every author account. And I've never seen the value proposition for it because I'm not sure how to you know, use it. But anyway, so that's the only context in which on Amazon, I think something is similar. But Michael, what are your thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I think you're right. Sadly, this is a direct-to-consumer site sort of thing. And, and really what I would say, some of the smarter Amazon sellers out there are I know Amazon sellers not a very good characteristic to use word to use, but let's say they sell on Amazon. Okay, fine. But sales is only part of the picture. And what we're talking about here is is lead nurture, I guess. Lead capture yeah. is yeah. implied by that. And and a lot of the smarter people I know are really obsessing with finding prospective clients, nurturing that relationship, and then taking them through Amazon as a selling point. But crucially they have got their details they have a relationship to them their brand has a sort of relationship to them before they use brand the the brand of amazon if you like to wrap that up as a trusted retail space Mm -hmm. and that's a different relationship already and i think going forward that's the way to approach things really another way to put it is flip it on its head one of the mastermind members have been working running an agency for a very big uh, seller got to be careful with not disclosing things here but broadly they they started they got to pretty serious sizes amazon sellers and then what they did is they run facebook ads to email capture in order to drive sales on their own direct to consumer site and that's been great, working like absolute crazy they got up to spending you know fifty thousand dollars a week and making a return on it absolutely crazy stuff but say it again what, what's their path how do they do it 
they they basically they they got their Amazon site to their Amazon sales to a certain size. They set up their own direct to consumer site, and they're driven Facebook ads to email capture. Sure. And then great email nurturing sequences. And that's really blown up their, their direct consumer site. But the reason it's mm -hmm. a kind of Amazon relevant story is that as a kind of side effect, they've doubled their Amazon revenue, which is not a small side effect. So in the end, I guess we have to just kind of think bigger than Amazon, I suppose. Yeah, I totally term. agree. Okay, so that's so that's a, a good one. That was number seven. Number eight is you can include links to other articles, blog articles, videos on your website, other pages on your site that will have additional information. And to our earlier point, this is serving the information site visitor, and it's not serving the person who's ready to transact. But then again, if the person's ready to transact, they're not going to click off to some informational video. So you know, I think there's a case for saying. If you're interested in this product, here's a blog about the 10 benefits of this product or the here's a, a you know video about comparing this product to our other option which is the <laughs> the large size or the red one or the well, you know whatever and having those types of links and resources on your product page I think can be valuable in the right context and I think it's certain to think about yeah yeah, absolutely. Again, it's looking at what Amazon does. I mean, if we are selling on Amazon as third-party sellers, we may not have much option to mm -hmm. do that. But if you're creating your own direct-to-consumer site, then looking at what Amazon does is, is a smart starting point because they must test the wazoo out of everything mm -hmm. with crazy amounts of data points. So if they're doing right. it, the chances are us good for good reason, really, I guess. Yeah, and one of the features in Shopify, people will be familiar with it or users of that platform would be the um, related products. So, you know, you've got an opportunity and your Shopify sort of set it up in a way like Amazon sets up their pages and have a very nice presentation of related products that, that is, is right on the product page. And, you know, on Amazon, it's customers also viewed or customers also bought or whatever is very common. Those, you know, mirroring that stuff on your Shopify site, this, my thinking would be there's a reason Amazon does it. And if there's a reason Amazon does it and has continued to do it for 20 years, they would have not included those pieces so liberally if uh, it didn't add to ultimate you know, conversion. Now, of course, Amazon doesn't care if it's your product or your competitor's product, which is the only distinction there. But nonetheless, it's there visually for the customer to click into. You can do all of that on your own Shopify site with the right apps. Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, first of all, uh, Amazon does it, I think, for good reason. I imagine it's because it, it increases average order value, average order uh, frequency, because if you're going to come back and you didn't like the blue and gold options, but you can see a red one, then maybe you buy something when you wouldn't have bought at all, etc. It's obviously going to increase time on site. I mean, Amazon.com is a website. I mean, it's so colossal. It doesn't feel like a site, but it is just a site. And copying that on your own um, website makes is a no-brainer for me because yeah. it works for the a giant e-commerce marketplace. The other thing is if you're caught in the crossfire of, of Amazon, you know, forcing consumers to go and look at one of giving them multiple options to go and look at your competition's products. Just a couple of hints. First of all, you could try to engineer a link between your products and the other products by using coupon codes because you could offer a coupon code that offers a discount off two, three, or four, a bundle of products that you can put together, not a bundle in any physically bundled sense, but in the sense of if you buy these two together, then you get a massive discount. And that's obviously a way to engineer. And I would definitely spend the money. And if you can get that engineered, you're going to really increase your sales of both products. You mm -hmm. cannot necessarily get consistency with that. 
But the other one is to, this is not exactly a time on site thing, but it's related to the problem I've just flagged up, which is if you advertise on your competitors' listings, especially if you choose ones that are more expensive, but about the same as yours, or lack a specific feature that yours really has, then you can actually win quite a lot of business that way as well. So that's that's an advertising strategy, but it kind yeah. of relates to the fact that you're trying to claw back having been a victim of Amazon saying people also mm-hmm. bought this and they click on that listing and there's your product again, just looking cheaper and better. Yeah. That can actually win you quite a bit of business as well. Yeah. Love that. Oh, that coupon hack is awesome. Okay. The 10th thing, the final thing to increase your time on your product listing time on site is including links to other details, other pages on your site. For example, your shipping policy page, you're a guarantee uh, detail page, anything else that might be outstanding question. Now, again, you might already have had those content pieces in your listing, but the question is, can you click, you know, have a clickable link to another page? Pros and cons are there, you know, that does take people away from the shopping cart, but if it satiates their need for interest or, or, or information and, and their interest in a topic, then it's wise to do. And so pretty straightforward piece there. You know, obviously, if they're on a product page, for example, on Shopify, and they want to know your shipping policy, they'll probably just scroll down to the bottom and look at your footer links Mm -hmm. anyway. So technically, it's there, whether you, you know, on your product page, in essence, if you just think about your footer being on your product page. And so that's, that's some of the thinking that you want to consider is, you know, do you want to have those links be readily available right in the listing on the top of it. But that's the 10th item. And so all together, the goal of all of those 10 things is to increase your time on site. And uh, so there you have it. Michael, what are your thoughts on that last one? Any comments? Yeah, the only thing that you can really directly can control as a third-party seller is putting your guarantee in. And you definitely should mm-hmm. have a guarantee and you should mention it. I think it could even be, again, you need to look at the competition and, and see is this going to stand out or not if, if everyone else is lamely offering a three-year guarantee and that's a, it's a buried in their description somewhere you could put it into your uh, one of your photos and put some kind of little icon in there and as long as you're not breaking terms of service i don't think that's going to break tos do not put it in your main image with a little kind of cutesy icon or some some kind of infographic because that's not allowed and yeah you might get away with it for a while i suppose but definitely guarantees are worth um, flagging up a- again i would just say it's a tiny point the thing that you may think is really, really obvious uh, and everyone should know and everyone else is offering it may not be obvious to consumer. So you might say something like guarantee next day shipping and, and we guarantee three year return, e- even if it's written elsewhere and your competition is saying it. If they're not yeah. saying it well and you are, you can still win business from them. Yeah, absolutely. Tiny Love point it. there. Yep. But listen, great, great stuff. I, I really like the, these 10 tips. So can you just summarize this, your pro tips for increasing time on site for us? Sure. First one, include video. And it can be as long as it it needs to be, as long as it's not boring. The second one is include long-form copywriting. Bullets, subheads, little paragraphs, all of that. Third one is include as many images as you can. In Shopify, you don't want to go crazy, but I would say, you know, 8 to 12 is possible. The fourth one is use infographics or the stats overlaid on images to really draw out features and benefits. The fifth thing is include testimonials from happy customers. Sixth thing is include user-generated content, either photos or videos, in addition to the testimonials. Seventh thing is include links to uh, your newsletter or Facebook groups. Eighth thing is link to articles or uh, videos that are on your website, things that you know your customer might be interested in. Ninth thing is link to related products that might be of interest. And the tenth thing is link to shipping details, guarantees pages, and other informational content on your website that might help them decide. 
Excellent. All solid stuff and, and nicely straightforward to do. I think none of this stuff strikes me that it's going to take people a huge amount of time. I mean, yes, if you have a ton of, of products, maybe you start with your biggest selling products and, and see if you can tweak those up. But this is all great, very doable stuff. So I like it a lot. Like typical of your approach, Jason, I think you often take the complex and boil it down to the very doable, which is a very good thing as a, as a coach. So if people want to approach you and Kyle for, for coaching is it still winning on shopify i know you got your new brand coming out soon what, what's going on with still that? winning on shopify our new brand's taking forever but nonetheless <laughs> course, it always does. winning on shopify.com we have a coaching application we only take clients by application uh, and it has to be a good fit for you as well as a good fit for us but we have other uh, content available on the site in terms of uh, resources and small groups that you can join and uh, so we'd love to have you check that out yeah Excellent. Yeah. And I know that you've been doing some great small group work as, as a sort of particular passion of mine. Um, it's good good to see what you guys are doing with that as well. Thank you. And sir. Yeah. How do people yeah, connect? Uh, yeah. How do people connect? I guess the best work we do for, for established sellers is the um, Amazon Mastermind. It's, it's definitely got back to a sort of in-person focus in London. So it's probably going to be for those based in Europe and the UK. We have had inquiries for some very enthusiastic uh, people based in, in the States, but I just don't think it's practical. So that's at the amazonmastermind.com. Still hasn't been taken down by Amazon's lawyers. So oh, you go to the amazonmastermind.com. <laughs> I do have my own site somewhere else, but it's just, you know, it's an easy yeah. one to remember. And you can check out what the 10K Collective Mastermind is doing there. And, uh, you know, going great guns. We're, we're uh, adding people all the time. And, you know, generally speaking, it's great to do the growth, but also a lot of people stressing out about the international freight situation. And yeah. it's a great place to, to share practical things things i think it's very important to have other people in the trenches experiencing the same problems and coming up with solutions as well so it's working well as ever uh, even in difficult times i yeah. guess the final thing we ought to talk about is e-commerce leader calling out i was actually sick for the one on tuesday so i hear you had guys had a great time without me so tell, tell us about how do we uh, get hold of that what's that about as well yeah, yeah in your app store download the call-in app it's only available for apple ios right now but i would imagine it'll be available on the google play store soon for android phones it is the e-commerce leader call-in show and we have the fourth episode plus we had episode zero so i guess there's five in total this last week's conversation was um our hot takes on selling your e-commerce business. And so Chris Green had perspective, Kyle Hamer had perspective, and I did as well. And we had a great conversation about that. So if you're interested in that roundtable conversation, Michael, you've been a part of those. Usually it's the four of us. Then we're, we're excited to have you jump in, join the call-in app, find our show, follow our show, follow us on call-in. It's a new, basically social podcasting app, I guess you could call it. And we're excited to have people check it out. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that just remains to say, thanks for sharing your wisdom with everyone here. And it's always fun to have these conversations. And uh, for anyone listening, please, uh, you know, join the party coming over to call in because uh, the trouble with podcasting is not very interactive and we do our lives and that's kind of one way to interact. But it'd be lovely to see you over there yeah. and, and to get your takes and, uh, you know, get more interactive with you. Awesome. All right, buddy. Good times. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.